What's going on, Sunbelt fans? My name is Dominic Rossetto. Welcome into the Sunbelt Syndicate podcast. We are going to do something a little bit different than some of the other podcasts out there. A lot of people are previewing all of the bowl games at once. I'm going to break it down game by game. Uh, I was a little bit later to this than I wanted to be. My son's been a little bit under the weather and affecting a little bit of how production goes with some of these things. But uh, this game coming up, the first one for the Sun Belt is one I am absolutely the most excited about. That is the Friday, December 16th game on ESPN at 3 p.m. Eastern Time that pits number 25 UTSA versus number 24 Troy. That's at the Cure Bowl down in Orlando. So just over... Just going over quickly, like who we're going to see from the teams that are going to be kind of the standouts. Uh, so starting off with UTSA, since they're listed first on the paperwork, Frank Harris, the quarterback, he is uh, definitely a dual threat guy. He's thrown for 31 touchdowns this season, only seven interceptions to that. He can obviously hurt you through the air or on the ground. So he's definitely... Their main player, as quarterbacks typically are, but he's the guy you're going to want to look out for because he's so dynamic. As far as rushing goes, they've got a kid named Kavion Barnes. Uh, He kind of came into his own a little bit later into the season because their top rusher, Brady, has actually gotten hurt and was actually in a a sling actually for the championship game. Uh, So he, I I believe, is going to be out for this curable as well. So expect Barnes to be the guy who's going to tote the ball the most he's averaging over six yards a carry and partly that is because he is pretty dynamic as a as a freshman running back uh but the other part is because you have to respect the pass so much that's where they're going to have some success on the run uh because you can't sit there and cheat up on this team at all because you just don't know what they're going to throw at you as far as the receivers the standout is franklin uh there's no question about that he's gone over a thousand yards but Watch out for uh, Cephas as well. He's just behind him at 985. Uh, But again, Franklin is the threat for the most part. Uh, They went and connected three times in the championship game there. uh, And he has 14 touchdowns on the season to uh, Cephas's six. So he's definitely the big, bigger target and the bigger threat. But uh, it looks like they've got two guys that can certainly get it done. And I'll throw out one more guy on the offense you need to keep an eye out of, on for. Uh, there was a big touchdown in their championship game that was called back, scored by Oscar Cardenas. Uh, he's the tight end. This guy is huge. Uh, he, and for a big tight end, he's pretty shorthanded. Mostly going to be used for blocking, but he is going to catch some stuff. Look out for some of that. He's got only two touchdowns on the season, uh, but he's averaging over 14 and a half yards per catch so when he does catch the ball he's a pretty dangerous threat and a guy who's certainly very difficult to bring down as far as the kicking game goes that aspect is very similar to what Troy has in boost uh neither one of them missed an extra point all season uh and he's overall 21 of 26 uh and the only things he's missed is stuff uh with the 40 plus yards so as far as their Concerned with the kicking game, I really don't see either team really having concerns with that going in. Uh, I don't. This one could come down to a field goal late, but if it does, uh, unless it's a really long one, I think both of these kickers can be trusted without much question. Defensively, they've got some pretty strong linebackers. Ligon and Hermanson uh, probably are their two standouts. 
the most. But then in backfield, they've got Clifford Chapman back there at the safety position. He's got four interceptions on the year. And actually right behind him, Corey Mayfield Jr. has got three as well. So they definitely have a tandem back there in the secondary that can take advantage of inadvertent passes or some uh, the tip balls, whatever it may be. And a lot of the reason that they're getting some of these interceptions is because their offense has put up so many points that the other team has no choice but to throw all over the place to try and catch up on the scoreboard. So that is a thing you need to focus on here with Troy. They can't be trying to do that. That's not going to be a game that they're going to be successful in. Meanwhile, UTSA could sling it all over the field and score quickly, so they can't get into that kind of battle. Uh, But those are the guys to watch out for for UTSA. Obviously, on the Troy side, we know most of these guys a little bit better as Sunbelt fans. Gunnar Watson at the quarterback position, uh, 13 touchdowns on the season, but he does have 10 interceptions. Again, this is something that could play into this game, and definitely he is not the scrambler that you've got on the other side with Harris, so he's not going to really hurt you there. Uh, he can pick up some yards you know, on some short yardage stuff if people are covered, uh, but he's not going to want to do that, and he certainly isn't going to be designed runs for him very often. As far as the rushing you got Kamani Vidal and DK Billingsley. To me, I called Billingsley to have a bigger game in the championship game, and he technically did. Uh, definitely had those two touchdowns, but he didn't have a whole lot of yardage, mainly because he didn't need it. Uh, Vidal is going to be the guy that's going to hammer it up the middle, as we know. He's gone over 1,000 yards on the season. He's got nine touchdowns, but again, Billingsley's got eight. So as far as the running backs are concerned, I think you've got the stronger tandem on Troy's side of the ball, mainly because Brady Kidd from UTSA is injured. Um, Otherwise, I think it would be a really, really good running back by committee for both teams. Um, But I am giving Troy the upper hand in that one. And I think from what I've seen, Billingsley catches the ball out of the backfield the best out of anybody on either team. Um, Certainly, UTSA can do that, and they will, but they don't do that very often. Uh, You know, they're typically throwing to their wide receivers a lot. But So Billingsley's got that second dimension to him where Vidal's really that straight up the gut power running uh, and doesn't go outside all too often. That's more of a Billingsley thing. I'd I'd watch out for Billingsley in this. From what I've saw on tape, UTSA hasn't seen a lot of the pass catching backs out of the backfield. That could be a dangerous weapon in Troy's favor in this one. And then on the receiving side, Tez Johnson, Rajay Johnson, Stoudemire, those three guys are really the guys you're going to be looking out for. Uh, you know, I'd say the Johnsons are both the ones that are going to be the bigger targets and were targeted a little more often this season. Neither one of them have a thousand yards, but that's not a bad thing. That's because Troy's a more well-rounded team offensively than UTSA is. UTSA is built around the pass to open up the run. Troy does it pretty much the opposite. They're going to try and run the ball as much as they can to open up that play-action pass. So you've got Johnson. Uh, Tez with four only four touchdowns on the season, but he's also dangerous in the return game. Don't know if he's going to be too big of a factor in this one. Um, from what I see, UTSA has a pretty stout uh, kick coverage, but there's a chance with the speed uh, that Johnson has and kind of his short stature could play to his advantage, kind of hiding behind some of those blocks. So we'll see if he can kind of break one open in this game. Could be an interesting factor there as well. Again, we covered Boos a little bit when we talked about kicking on the other side. Um, you know, extra points, they're, they're good to go. Uh, anything that's further than 40 yards, you know, maybe a little bit questionable. Um, 
But again, pretty trustworthy kickers on both sides. Again, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of inaccuracy if they get into a kicking battle, but I think both of these teams are going to be kind of going forward on fourth and short. As far as defensively, Carlton Marshall, we know he's one of the best players defensively to ever do it, has the most tackles all time in FBS football. He's going to be one that they're going to key on offensively on the UTSA side. I would also think that Slocum is going to be a guy who you're going to want to watch out for and a guy who came on a little bit later. He's had a great season for the whole time, but as far as uh, picking up the interceptions more towards the end of the year, Reddy Stewart, I think he's going to have a pretty good game in this one, especially with how much they pass the ball. He seems to read the other team's offense very well, and I think he could jump some routes. So let's get into talking about that type of thing specifically. From what I've seen in Harris, yes, he has a downfield arm. He can be a threat in that aspect, but I would say what you're going to watch out for more is the little short outs, um, in the slants, he's he's checking down a lot more often than he's really throwing downfield. What they do is they get the ball out wide and they try and get their guy into open space. That's what Troy needs to keep in front of them defensively. We know Troy can be a little aggressive on the defense. That's where they have some success because of it. But this is the type of team and the type of game where you might want to sit back and let this game come to you a little bit, at least the beginning, feel it out, and see what UTSA is trying to do against you and maybe make some adjustments in that regard. As far as the other side of the ball goes with Troy on offense, I think what you have to do is let Gunner feel this game out. Let Watson figure this game out from the start. Uh, what you did offensively against Coastal in the championship game was brilliant. They didn't force anything. They let him read the field. The offensive line gave him time. He could go through reads and progress a little bit. Harris isn't going to do that. He's pretty locked into his receiver once once they snap the ball. Watson is a little bit better in that regard. What you have to stay away from with Watson, and we've seen this with how many interceptions he's thrown this year, some questionable decisions or trying to force something he doesn't need to. He did a great job of that against Coastal in that championship game. You need to have a game like that for him to settle in. And here's why that offensive stuff is so important. As far as UTSA is concerned, they scored only they scored less than 30 points only once all season. Troy did that 8 times. So as far as putting numbers on the scoreboard, Troy or sorry, UTSA can consistently put up points. It's important that Troy try and keep that down to a minimum at the very start of this game. Uh, As far as the other portion of the start of this game, UTSA was held to less than 14 points at the half only once all season. Meanwhile, Troy was held to 10 points or less at the half nine times this season. And two of those times, they were held completely scoreless. Why is that important? You can't be chasing UTSA in this game if you're Troy. You cannot afford to get behind 21-0-17-0-14-3. I mean, maybe 14-3 could be workable, but you just do not want to be chasing this type of offense because they're quick strike, and if they grab the lead on you early, it's even, you know, the coaches can say whatever they want, the players can think whatever they want. In the back of your mind, you're always thinking you got to score fast, you got to score fast, you got to score fast. That's not the case. Football's a long game. We've seen that. Things can happen, but 
You just don't want to be in a shootout with UTSA. I think Troy's offense could do some of that. I just don't think Troy is built to have an entire game where they're trying to play catch-up. I don't think they've really had to do that all season. Uh, I don't think that's not what they're going to want to do in this bowl game. Now, hopefully, I don't see that happening, but it is a possibility. We do have to throw it out there. As far as common opponents go, to give us some feel of the way this game could go, they both played Army. They both played Western Kentucky. So let's take a look at those. UTSA beat Army early on in the season, 41-38, and it took overtime to do it. A shootout, right? Troy played Army a little bit more towards the end of the season, and they beat them 10-9. to Now, we all know that the team you start the season with is not the team you end the season with. So I don't think Army was what they are now at the beginning of the season. So, 10 to 9 and 41 to 38 look crazy different and to me it doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at it from a from a far out perspective. However, what you what you can take away from this is both of these guys, both of these teams played the same opponent very very close, an overtime game and a one-score game. So, as far as that goes, take into consideration what you want there. To me, it just shows that Army can play two types of different games, and they've got two different ways to go about it, just as Troy and UTSA had two different ways to go about it. UTSA was the ones who just scored more points, and Troy against Army was the one who just let them score less points. So there's that aspect to it. As far as Western Kentucky goes, different aspect here. UTSA beats Western Kentucky 31-28. Troy beats Western Kentucky 34-27. 34-27. Almost an identical score against a common opponent. So all that being said, everything we've talked about, what UTSA's offense offers versus Troy's defense, I think that's the biggest matchup of this game. It's not necessarily one guy versus one guy. It's not necessarily Harris versus Marshall. Um, you're probably not going to see a lot of that. Maybe they have Marshall spy him, but it's not a it's not a player versus player perspective to me. It's the power of UTSA offense versus the power of this Troy defense. And what do they always say? Defense wins championships. But again, you can't pay overly aggressive in this game. I think you have to sit back a little bit. Let some of that short yardage stuff come to you and don't over pursue something before the snap. Uh, that's what North Texas got themselves into trouble with a little bit. Maybe a little overly aggressive uh, on the blitz schemes occasionally. They had some large gaps that opened up for the run game there. Troy just sits back and lets them play into them a little bit more. I think they're going to be very successful in this one. But again, UTSA puts up points. They are going to have some success. So I have a really great game predicted for this one. This is a Sunbelt podcast, but again, I'm, I'm – favoring Troy because of the defense. So I do think Troy, they've been scoring more points here at the end of the season. I think their offense is very well-rounded. I think they're going to have a lot of success against that UTSA defense. I'm favoring Troy in this one, 32, UTSA 28. I hope that is close to becoming true. Not even for me to be right, but in the sense that it's just going to be a great game to watch and help kick off the bowl season for the Sun Belt and college football in general. So enjoy this one. Thanks for listening. Tune into the next one soon.